This program is made possible by the friends and partners of Unspeakable Joy. This morning I'm going to preach to you on Satan's attack on the faithful few. Because what you're going to find in this book of, the, of Daniel chapter number 6... Now, that's all of my announcements. I don't have anything I'm going to... You know, a lot of times preachers will get you warmed up a little bit. Then they'll reveal something big in the message. I ain't got nothing but the Word of God in the message, all right? So don't get your nerves tore up over that. In the book of Daniel, chapter number 6, we have the story of Daniel and the lion's den. Now, here is what bothers me about preachers in churches. We take the stories that we teach, and we teach certain ones to our kids. David and Goliath, Adam and Eve in the garden, Daniel in the lion's den, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But when people graduate high school and become adults, we stop teaching and talking about the common stories of the Bible. And here in this book of Daniel, chapter number 6 and verse number 4, there is a story about Daniel being thrown into the lion's den. Now, we know that story. We've heard that story. We've read that story. But has anybody ever stopped to ask, why? What caused the king of this land called the Medes and the Persians to look at Daniel and say, you have got to be thrown in the lion's den? Now, notice what it says in verse number 4. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could not find none occasion nor fault. For as much as he was, say that word with me, faithful. I want you to flip over now to verse number 16 of the same chapter. Daniel 6 and verse 16. Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest, how? Beloved, whenever you read the story about Daniel and the lion's den, and let me just say this, I, I feel like I need to say this in case there's a liberal listen today. I believe every word of the Bible. I believe from Genesis to Revelation. I believe from front to back. I even believe that the binding of my Bible is given by God because it says genuine cowhide. That's why I believe every aspect of that Bible. I believe the maps. I believe the concordance. I believe every jot. I believe every tittle. I believe Adam was in a garden. I believe he had a wife taken from his side named Eve. I believe a snake talked to him and the devil possessed that snake and they listened to the devil and they lost their place in the kingdom of God. God. I believe that David took a rock and knocked a nine foot nine inch giant flat on his face. I believe that Elijah called down fire from heaven and then slew the prophets of Baal. I believe this story about Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego were in the midst of a fiery furnace bound with ropes that were not burned up in the fire and yet they were walking around in that fire not because they were fireproof but because they'd met the God of fire the Lord Jesus Christ. God. I believe I believe that Jesus walked on the water. I believe that Jesus turned water into wine. I believe that Jesus took a few hush puppies and some sardines and fed 5,000 men. I believe that Jesus healed the blind man. I believe that Jesus pulled the withered hand out. I believe that Jesus healed the lame man. I believe that Jesus died. And on that third glorious resurrection morning, he got up victorious over 
a day of hell. And I believe every word. I believe that day on the backside of the Mount of Olives that he looked at his disciples. He blessed them, looked up to the clouds. He grabbed him a cloud, wrapped it around him, double clutched it to the glory world as he ascended and reversed the laws of gravity. I believe two angels came back down, looked at the men and women on that hill and said, Ye men of Israel, why do you stand here gazing up into heaven? Don't you know this same Jesus which was taken from you shall so come in like manner. And I believe on that glorious day of the rapture that the trump of God's going to sound and the dead in Christ are going to be raised and we're headed up to be with the Lord in the air. I believe every bit of it. And don't tell me that I believe in fairy tales. You believe I came from a monkey. You're crazier than I am. Beloved, I tell you right now, this story of Daniel and the lion's den, we hear these stories and nobody ever stops to ask, why was he under attack? He was not under attack because he was a prophet. He wasn't under attack because he knew God. He wasn't under attack because he'd been to the synagogue. You know why he was under attack? Because he was faithful. What does the word faithful mean? It literally means to remain steadfast and loyal. Whenever you say that somebody, they're a faithful person, you know what you're saying? You can count on that person. Can I stop and say as a pastor, I love good singing. I love good preaching. I love video. I love lights. I love it all. But can I tell you, Lights and cameras and preaching and people and choirs. They don't build churches. You know what builds churches? Faithful people. Can I tell you, I love rich people. I love poor people. But rich people nor poor people build a church. You know what builds a church? Faithful people. And preachers that will hear me, they'll say, how do I build a church? Just find you a bunch of people that love Jesus more than they love anything. And let them come to the house of God. You'll build a church. Children of God, Daniel was thrown into the lion's den because when people looked at him, they said, he's faithful, and we can't handle that. You think he was the best looking? No. Do you think he was the most powerful? No. You know what he was? Faithful. You know, you can tear a preacher down, but you can't tear a faithful man down. You can tear a singer down, but you can't tear a faithful man down. You can tear a rich man down, but somebody that is steadfast in their walk with God, you can't touch them with a 10-foot pole. But the problem with being faithful is it puts a target on your back. Man, people will tell me all the time, they'll say, that guy's anointed. I bet he's got a target on his back. I say, that ain't what put a target on his back. They'll say, that guy can preach. I bet he's got a target. That ain't what puts a target on a man's back. You realize there are people in this church right now, you are under the attack of the devil and you can't preach. You're under the attack of the devil and you can't sing. You're under the attack. And I hear this all the time and I love this line. Somebody will say, I'm just a nobody. Why is the devil bothering me? You know why? Because the devil brings the attack to the faithful. You're either mad, silent, don't care, or you're under attack this morning. But I'm going to find me a piece of real estate and clear me off some liberty here in just a second because there are people in this house right now that are on the cusp of walking out in their walk with God. And you're saying, God, what have I done to deserve this attack? You were faithful 
God could depend on you. He knew every morning you were going to get up and read your Bible, whether anybody else got up and read their Bible. He knew you were going to get up and pray for your husband, your wife, your kids, whether anybody else got up and prayed for anybody else. He knew that you were going to put in your tithe. You were going to put in your offering. You were going to be in your seat. You were going to be a witness at work. You were going to be faithful. And that put a big target for the enemy on your back. Can I tell you the easiest way to get out from under the attack of the devil? Stop being faithful. Stop being faithful in your walk with God. Stop being faithful in your testimony for Christ. Stop being faithful in saying, no, I live a certain way to honor my God. You want to stop being under the attack? Get out of the choir. Stay home. You want to be under the attack of the devil? Don't be faithful. It's a simple solution. Here's the problem. What you've got to understand is you're safer in the lion's den with God than you are outside the lion's den without God. You're safer in the will of God, knowing God's with you and have every fiery dart that could ever be thrown against your life than you could ever be outside of the plan of God and still have nothing. Now, let me give you three things. Load them up, blow them out. I'll give them to you right quick. Number, I can tell you, y'all going to eat this message up. So number one, here's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at the discipline of the faithful. If you look back in verse number 10, how did Daniel become known as a faithful man? What is it that you have to do to be faithful? That's pretty simple. Just do what you're supposed to do, when you're supposed to do it, as long as you're supposed to do it. But in order to be faithful, and this is what a lot of people will say. They'll say, how can I overcome? Come. What do I have to do to be faithful? It's about overcoming certain things. Look, can I, can I do it? Let, let's, let's play a game. Everybody in the choir and everybody in the church, take your hand and squeeze the other part of the other hand that you got. You feel that? You know what that is? It's flesh. Guess what? Everybody's got it. We're all the same. I don't care if you're wearing a skirt or breeches. I don't care if you're wearing a tie or an open collar. I don't care if you've got hair on your face, hair on your head, or if you're bald as a cue ball. You are made of the same thing. And every single one of us have got to overcome certain things in order to remain faithful. I'll give you the three things that Daniel had to overcome. Number one, the first thing in verse number 10 he had to overcome. He had to overcome his mind. Notice what it says in verse number 10. It says, now when Daniel knew the writing was signed. What had happened? Here's what had happened. There was a group of people that despised Daniel. They hated Daniel. They they detested everything about Daniel. Here's what they said. They said, we're going to overcome him by making it illegal for him to pray and to talk to his God. So they went to the king and they signed this law and it said, if anybody serves the God of the Bible, if anybody serves the God of Israel, they're going to be killed. And they put it into law. And the Bible says when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, when his mind wrapped around what would happen if he prayed, knowing it was illegal to pray. Here's what I'm telling you right now. Daniel was a man just like you and I are men. You and I are women. You and I are human beings. You know what the devil did to Daniel? He started playing with his mind. He started saying, you know you'll die if you do that. You know you'll never overcome if you do that. You know you'll never win that battle. Can I tell you the biggest battle that every person in this room has right now? It's with your 
mind. I'm telling you, the battlefield of the saint is between two six-inch posts. It's your brain. Do you know what you're going to have to overcome? I can't go to church. I'm not good enough. That's a mental battle. I, 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 I can't go to church. It's too far to drive. I can't be a witness to them. I don't know enough. I, 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 I can't give. I don't have any money. I, I, can't, I can't sing. Everybody will think I'm terrible. You've got to overcome your mind. Second thing Daniel had to overcome, he had to overcome his ego. Notice what it says in verse 10. He says, when he knew the writing was signed, he went into his house. Time out. That's a bad place to be if you're trying to get in good with the king. He needed the king to be on his side. He needed the king to know, I am a good man. If you're trying to get on the king's good side, do you need to go to your house or his house? You know what Daniel said? Daniel said, I don't care what anybody thinks about me. I got a relationship with my God. I I don't care what anybody thinks about me. I don't care what they say about me. I don't care what they write up about me. I don't care where it takes me. I don't care where they put me. I am going to talk to my God. Can I tell you the biggest problem that I have in my life? It's this thing right here that tends to swell up when people look at it. It's called a big head you know the problem with big-headed people we all that way hey, don't y'all look at me like that on a Sunday morning honey I'm telling you every one of us have got a trigger that when it's pulled it hits the hot air button in our soul and it puffs that thing up and I promise you what God will do if you're ever going to be faithful he'll make you overcome that thing he'll make you do something that you say I don't care what anybody thinks about me I'm telling you it's happened to me over and over and over and over and over again I've had people before that'll say things to me that'll so bother me and just tear my nerves up those will be the very ones that God will make me love on you know why it kills that ego you know I'll have to do things. And you know, I try to be real prim and proper with the way that I fix my hair and the way I tie my ties and the way I iron my shirt and the way I press my britches. I I try to be real prim and proper. And then God has me get up here and preach a message like a Comanche Indian that's eating three rabbit heads. I'm telling you, you know why God does that? He loves puncturing that ego. Third thing Daniel had to overcome, he had to overcome his body, his flesh. Notice what it says in verse 10. He kneeled down upon his knees. Daniel's an old man. How many old people want to be told you got to get on your knees three times a day and pray? I'm going to tell you right now, I'm 36 and one half years old, and I'm begging God to let me pray in a recliner. (laughs) You know, I'm just telling you right now, This old body you got, it's a breaking down. And the crazier this world gets, it's going to break down a lot faster. 
And it's going to cost you something to be faithful to God. Can I tell you who blesses me the most in this church? It's not the wealthy people. And I'm thankful for them. It's not the poor people. And I'm thankful for them. It's not the singers. I'm thankful for them. It's not the preachers. I'm thankful for them. You know who I love more than anybody in this church? It's the old people. You know why? Because it costs them something to get out of bed. It hurt when they went to tie their tie. It popped whenever they got out of the bed. And you know why they got out of the bed? It could have very easily been said, nobody's going to miss me. They're sitting three deep in the foyer. You know why they got out of bed? Because they said, I don't care how I feel. I'm going to be faithful. That's how you become faithful. you got to overcome. Now, number two, let me show you the disdain that these people had for the faithful. It says in verse number 11, Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying. That word assembled, it literally means to gather together in order to talk about somebody. That's what it means to assemble there in, that, in, in, the, in the sixth chapter of Daniel. Three different times it says they assembled together. And every time they got together to have a meeting about Daniel. Can I blow somebody's Baptist bubble right now? You realize demons are real, don't you? You understand that devils are real. You, the demons and the devils of hell, they're not a figment of our imagination. They don't have long pointy tails and ain't not a one of them got a pitchfork. They're schemers, they're dreamers, and they're destroyers. Now let me help you with something. During the night while you were sleeping, they had a conference call about you. They had a conference call, how can we confuse their mind? They had a conference call. How can we destroy their bodies? They had a conference call. How in the world can we puff them up and hurt their feelings and bother them so bad that they will not be faithful? You know what the devil hates about you? It's a Sunday school lesson. You just write these down. Somebody teach it one day and really expand. The devil hates three things about you. Number one, he hates the favor God has given you. He despises where God's put you. He despises what God's doing in you. He disdains how God's moving in your life. He despises how God's opening doors for you. He despises how the Lord is blessing you. He despises how God... I've got people right now in this church that drive an hour. They drive two hours and gas $3.75. And time out. Don't you love it how they took gas up to $5 and now brought it back down to $3.50 and we think we're getting a deal. But neither here nor there and people are driving and I've heard people say it costs me something to come to church but yet they'll say God has just made it back up God has blessed me back again I'm making back more than I ever would spend on gas can I tell you right now the devil despises that God is doing that for you there's some of you right now you started tithing in the last year you started being faithful in your witness at work and God's blessing you with favor he's opening up doors for you at your house, opening up doors for you in your life. And he's and the devil despises that. You ever met somebody that had a streak of jealousy in them? I'm talking real 
hunkered down, redneck North Carolina jealousy. I'm talking about the kind of jealousy that you know when you walked in the room that their blood pressure boiled. I met some preachers like that. And I'm telling you, Dwayne Preacher Cano, I was listening to a message from him the other day on YouTube. He was talking about these preachers that just did. And I, he said, I can imagine their blood boiling. That's that rage of jealousy. Can I ask you a question? Do you know where people get that from? The devil. That's how he feels all the time. That's how he feels towards you all the time. And any time God ever blesses you, you know what the devil does? His blood boils toward you. He hates that favor. Number two, he doesn't just hate that favor. He hates the God you serve. You know that day there was a pantheon of gods that Daniel could have bowed down to. He could have bowed down to any number of the gods of the ancient worlds. He could have bowed down to any number of the idols of the ancient worlds. But I'll tell you right now, there was something about that name, Jehovah. There was something about that name, Yahweh. There was something about that name, Elohim. There was something about the God of Israel. There was something about the God that they served. And here's what I'm telling you right now. You can tell anybody, I serve the God of money. And they'll say, good for you. It's good to want for more. You can say, I serve the God of Islam. And they'll say, well, to each their own. You can say, I serve the God of my job. And they'll say, there's nothing like trying to climb the ladder. But when you told your coworkers, and when you told your family, and when you told your friends, the God that I serve is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God that I serve is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The devil despair is that. You know, you can tell the devil you go to church and it don't bother him. You can tell the devil what your convictions are. It don't bother him. You can tell the devil how much money you give. He don't care. But the moment you make the public declaration that I love Jesus Christ and will serve Him exclusively, starts raging on the inside. Listen, the moment some of you in this choir, some of you in this congregation, the moment that you told the devil, as for me and my house, we will serve the God of heaven, you put a bullseye on your back. The moment you said, I'm not living like the people at work, I'm going to live and honor Jesus Christ, I'm going to walk like Jesus and talk like Jesus and act like Jesus and have the attitude of Jesus and have the love of Jesus, the devil said, I despise, he hates the God you serve. Number three, he despises the threat that you pose. He hates it. Can I ask you a question? Daniel is a little old eunuch. What can he do? But they were petrified of him. You know what Daniel could do? They knew the God that Daniel served had just pulled three men out of the fiery furnace. And the God that Daniel served had the ability to topple their empire. You see, why the devil hates you and why he's fighting you so much, faithful child of God, it is because of the threat that you pose to him over your children. You realize right now, you let your children play ball and there's nothing wrong with ball. That doesn't threaten the devil. You let your kids go be in every honor roll program at school. There's nothing wrong with honor roll programs 
things at school. But here's what I'm telling you. Whenever you pray hell off of your family's back, you are now a threat to the devil. Whenever you tell the devil, you're not coming after my grandchildren. You're not touching my child. You're not messing with my wife. You're not messing with my church. You're not messing with my nation. You're not messing with my city. You're not messing with my family. You're not messing with my mind. You're not messing with my people. You don't have any power. And you pray that power off. And you pray that authority off. You have now just assaulted the kingdom of the devil. And that's why you're under attack. Now let me give you number three. The deliverance of the faithful. Beloved, help you now. Can I help you? All right. The closer you get to Jesus, the harder the battle's going to get. I'm telling you, the closer you get to Jesus, the harder it's going to be to focus to pray. I may should be even preaching this on a Sunday night to people that just aren't even visitors, but I'm telling you right now, faithful child of God, the closer you try to live to Jesus Christ, the more you're going to battle family, the more you're going to battle opinions, the more you're going to battle people. And I'm telling you, you may not bow at one battle, but the non-stop nature of the devil's attacks will wear you out. It'll wear you out. I love new converts. I love when somebody gets saved. I also love it when the first battle comes. And I love it when they get victory over it. And they come and they say, Preacher, God has delivered me. And I say, Hallelujah. Get ready for round two. You realize right now, you're in a UFC fight and the devil's got on his boxing gloves. UFC goes five rounds, three rounds if you're really good. Boxing's got a lot more. You're playing checkers and the devil's playing chess. And I'm telling you, it's going to come. But here's what I also tell you. You have been given the promise by an almighty God. You've been given the promise by your heavenly Father that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. You've been given the promise by God that whithersoever you go, He will be with you. You've been given the promise that no enemy can stand against you. You've been given the promise that no man can topple you. You've been given the promise that you are more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ who loved you. Now let me tell you about that deliverance. Here's what I will tell you about that deliverance. Number one, here's what I'll tell you. You can't make it come. You can't make it happen. You can't make the battle end early. You can't make the battle stop early. You can't make the enemy stop fighting you. Honey, sometimes all you got to do is to find you a broken piece of the ship and just hold on for dear life. But here's the promise that the word of the living God makes to you that you will be delivered in Jesus name. And if you'll hold on long enough, you'll make it. But who's the one that's going to deliver you? I'll give you three things about him. Number one, he had a familiar face. It says in verse number 22, He's down in the lion's den. The Bible says that the king goes over to the pit, the edge of the pit, and he says, Daniel, has the God you served delivered you? And watch what Daniel says. He says, my king live forever. He said, my God has sent his angel 
How did Daniel know that was an angel of God? Well, I'm glad you asked because three chapters before that, Daniel had been standing on the platform whenever Nebuchadnezzar had raised up that 90-foot statue out in the plains of Shinar. And he had said, whenever I blow the trumpet and whenever I blow the tabard and whenever we play the cymbals, I want everybody to bow down. And there was three sore thumbs that stuck up out in the middle of that field, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and threw him in the fiery furnace and Daniel standing on the outside watching with King Nebuchadnezzar as he was waiting on them to burn slam up but on that day they looked into that fire after about five or ten minutes when there should have been nothing but an ash heap at the bottom of the field they looked in there and they said my God King he said we threw three men into that fire but lo I see four men loose in the fire and they're walking around and the form of the fourth is like that of the Son of God and it had been three chapters since Daniel had seen the face of the God of heaven and he said God had delivered them I wonder if Daniel's lowered down into that lion's den and he said oh God will you send that angel I know if you did it back there you can do it for me I know if you did it for them you can do it for me and that night long about the fourth watch of the night that angel stepped into that lion's den and he said don't worry Daniel I've been with you before I'm with you right now and I'll be with you in the future I remind you the God that was is the God that is and he's the God that ever shall be the God of Abraham is the God that I serve and the God of Isaac is the God that I serve and the God that raised up Jesus from the dead that's the God I serve he's been faithful before he'll be faithful again listen to me now if he did it for me he'll do it for you it was a familiar face number two I'm going I'm trying to get to this last point so fast I can't even see straight number two I'll tell you what else he saw about this man. He didn't just have your face, but he had an overcoming hand. Notice what it says in verse 22 about what he did to that line. He said, my God and his angels come. And he shut the mouth of a lion. He shut the mouth of a lion. Why did he shut the mouth of a lion? Because the only way a lion can kill you is to bite your head off. If it can't bite you, all it can do is roar. And I'm going to be honest with you. I went to the North Carolina Zoo one time, and I heard them lions roar. And let me just say this. If you have a clean diaper when you go, if you're not expecting it, you won't have one when you leave. But you know what? No matter how scary a roar is, a roar ain't never killed anybody. You know what that angel did? He defanged the power of the lion. Why do I get encouraged by that? Because on bloody Calvary, on the side of Golgotha's hill, the Lamb of God, the angel of glory, the captain of the Lord's host, the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valley, the bright and the morning star, the one that is altogether lovely. He took the mouth of the lion and he took the lion's teeth and he ripped out every lion's tooth in that devil's mane and in that devil's mouth. And if you've been saved by the grace of God, you cannot be overcome, you cannot be conquered, and you cannot be beat by your adversary. You know all he can do to you right now? He can roar. Now remember, everything in the Old Testament has got to have a connection in the New Testament. First Peter chapter 5 
verse 8. But your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, seeketh whom he may devour. How can a roaring lion seek whom he may devour? How can a toothless lion devour anything? Remember this. Jesus didn't take the devil's teeth. He just shut his mouth. Because in just a few minutes, Daniel's coming out of that pit and the people that put him in that pit are going to be thrown in that pit. And you know what the end of chapter 6 says? It says those lions were so hungry before those men hit the ground, they were devoured. Listen to me. The devil still has power. Still has a lot of power. But when you're in the will of God, he's got a shut mouth. Now, can I give you this third thing? And I'm done. I promise you I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. All right, number three. I forgot the point. Number three, it's not just an overcoming hand, but it's a present friend. Can I show you what happened? I'm going to be honest. I've said this the last couple of weeks, and I mean this. If I was God, I'd have done it a different way. You know what I'd have done? As soon as Daniel got lowered down into that pit, if I was God... I'd have struck every one of those lines dead. And Daniel just been laying there all night. Just able to sleep. Able to rest. Oh God. Oh God, I just saw something. But the reason that God didn't kill the lions is because if the lions had died, in Daniel's mind, he would have thought those lions had something wrong with them. It would have given the rise to doubt. But the fact that those lions were healthy and able, and he still survived, you know what that showed? God was with him. Honey, if I was God, I'd treat you and me a lot different. You know what I'd do? I'd kill everything that bothered you. Strike it dead, just bam, like that. They'd be done right now. Strike them dead, give them a chance to change, and I'd kill every one of them right now. But that would cause us not to have any faith. The fact that they still roar and you still thrive shows that somebody bigger than them is on your side. Now, can I show you what I just saw right now, Bill? Oh, I just saw it. Why wouldn't God kill the lion? I'll tell you why. Because God was about to lift Daniel out of the place where the lion had power and take him back to the house of the king where the lions had no power. Can I tell you what happened in that pit? They threw the unbeliever in that pit and they were devoured. That's a picture of the tribulation. One day the trump of God shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. And you know what's going to happen to the believer? We're going to rise out of this place where the devil has power. We're going to corkscrew out of this world. We're out of here. But it's not going to be over down here. You know what's going to happen? The unsaved are going to be given control and power over this world. And the devil is going to be loosed for a season. For three and a half years, he'll have all power. 
and he'll devour them. Listen, this is the whole message. There's no invitation. This is the whole message. The reason you're fighting, what you're fighting, the way you're fighting it, is because you're walking with God. It's not because you've done something wrong. It's not because, and here's what the devil will do. The devil will so get your mind confused telling you, well, you know, it could be this, it could be this. Listen, God's a big boy. If you've done something wrong, he'll tell you. He'll tell you. He ain't afraid to tell you. God's a big boy, he'll tell you. He'll get your mind so confused. So how do you make it? I'll tell you what you do. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Do you think Daniel moved that night in that lion's den? I don't think Daniel's feet moved one centimeter. I believe the place he got left by the king is the exact place he was found when the king came back for him. Do you know what you need to be doing? You need to be in the exact place that Jesus put you. And when he returns, you need to have both of your feet planted in that place. Saying, I'm waiting on you, Lord, to come and get me. And I'm not moving. I'm not backing up. And that is the reason for the devil's attack against the faithful.